Hello and welcome to episode 191 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is the film director, Blurta Bascioli. We get to sit down on today's episode and talk all about her debut film, Hive. The film is out now across UK cinemas and if you are lucky enough to go and see it on the big screen, I urge you to go and do it. There is a reason this film has won a number of Sundance Awards. It's brilliant. I never like to spoil films and I never go into the plot too much, but it's all about the power of how a woman can be and how far they'll go for their children and all the decisions they have to make in life and how society can go against you. But the film I am not going to reveal any more about. It's a masterpiece and easily one of my films of the year. But we'll get to that interview with me and Blurter in just a couple of minutes time. Before we do, I always like to touch base and use the intro of every episode of Mark and Me to talk about my last episode. And on episode 190, I was joined by the amazing actor, Jamie Bamber. Jamie was an amazing guest. His energy was so high. He was so infectious and so good to listen to, and one of my favorite guests I've had. So it was amazing to see such a great response online and a massive thank you to everyone at home that took the time to listen to that episode and to feedback on all my social media channels. It was so much fun and I really hope we can get Jamie back on in the near future. But let's get back to today's interview. As I said, I'm joined by the amazing director, Blurter Bascioli. So I think the best thing to do is get straight to it. So here's me and Blurter talking all things film. Hi Blurter, lovely to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks for taking the time to join me on the Mark and Me podcast today. Thank you for having me. What I want to do today for the listeners out there that might be discovering your work for the first time, let's take it back right to the beginning. So when you were growing up, can you remember those first films that you may have seen that made you fall in love with cinema? Um, there's a lot of films um, that um, we didn't have. Well, we did have cinema, but we didn't have a lot of options in the cinema. So, yeah. we, I mean, we could watch Titanic and a lot of like really big films, but uh, not a lot of other films. So uh, maybe one of the films that I really loved and watched a lot of times is Here by uh, Milos Forman which is uh, for me uh, still reminds me of the times when whenever that film would play, we would sit down and watch it with the whole family. And I still love to watch that film and and remember it as I love all of his films that I watched later on as I became a filmmaker. Um, But I did watch a lot of um, Western films as well uh, because my father used to like uh, watching and still, and he still does um watch a lot of um western films uh and uh, that's how i fell in love with filmmaking i was the same i remember sitting with my dad when i was very young for hours watching these westerns that go on for so long and i never understood <laughs> yeah. how he had the patience to watch these films but now when i watch them i have a whole new respect for them and i love them so it's good to see you uh enjoyed the same sort yeah i mean i still love watching he liked i mean he loved photography and paint and he painted really well um he doesn't do it anymore that much but um he uh, he says like i love the imagery i love how long takes are and nobody talks and i don't have to read subtitles i can just enjoy the beautiful imagery in these films and he just really knew all the names of the actors and it was like really (laughs) interesting to sit down and watch these films with him so when you're watching these films did you ever kind of start to think how were they made and like you know trying to put yourself behind the camera thinking this is something i want to get involved or was it later on in life that you started to really kind of appreciate how films were composed 
Um, I think that it, it is exactly from these films that I, I got the love for uh, image, like for composition, especially because they're so beautifully composed and you really, they, I think they just really give you that uh, um, great feeling that you're watching, the, the great feeling that cinema can give you. I think that's what I got the, the feeling from and, and the love for beautiful imagery from. And um, late, I mean, I started studying when I was 18. So I guess it, as, it, as I grew up, I really wanted to also be able to tell stories um, through image. Um, but for me, it was more of also expressing myself. Um, yeah. I think I was a little bit of a, a more closed person. I, I wasn't so very open to talk about many things that I wanted to talk about. And I think through image, it is where I found myself um, able to say something more. And did you find it quite a struggle to get into the industry? Because I think sometimes there's obstacles, obviously, where you are in the world, the people around you, but also your family have a big kind of, I think, input on what you do in your career. And sometimes they can be very supportive and want you to do well in that chosen profession. But sometimes they might think it's a very difficult industry to get into. So were they supporting you from day one or did you kind of have to fight against it to kind of make a name for yourself? Um, they were supportive, but they were always joking about my profession. <laughs> <laughs> so I was never, I mean, it was a relief. I, I met a um, um, director of photography um, who, uh, who was in his 60s and he's like, and he was from uh, UK and he, he said that his mom still asked him where he's, when is he gonna find a proper job <laughs> yeah. and i was like oh okay it's not just in kosovo so it's fine um i was supported because my father loved uh photography and painting although he's he he's not an artist by profession um, but i always joke about why they supported me because um i am the youngest uh from the kids and so i have a brother and two sisters uh, my brother is a dentist. My older sister is a pharmacist. My other one is a uh, telecommunication engineer. So I was like, the last one could be an artist. <laughs> so it's like nobody really uh, had a problem with me becoming an artist. But of course, they always had the doubt of uh, whether I'm going to make it. Um, yeah. Because um, they are a little bit also in Kosovo. Our, people are not, not so much now, but maybe 20 years ago, yes. We're very focused on very traditional uh, professions. Like you either studied law, economics, uh, electro engineering, or uh, the medicine uh, department and um, I was not a, a person who ever liked medicine I, I was quite good in math and physics so I could maybe fit in, in the uh, engineering part whether telecommunication or, or electroengineering uh, but I really love telling stories and I'm glad I chose this profession no matter how doubtful it was for everybody if I'm gonna make it and um, it's been almost 20 years since not almost it's been 20 years that I signed up to my bachelor studies and um, um, I always lived from this uh, from this job so for me it was um, it was a good choice because I love what I do and I, I live uh, out of something that I really love and obviously with your debut feature Hive going into this beforehand did you do any shorts that got you the exposure out there to show that you've got the capabilities and skills to go out there and produce this feature or were you doing many different projects or how did it come about that you could then get the green light and the funding for this 
I mean, uh, in, in Kosovo, it works a little bit differently. I did do a lot of short films um, through my studies in Kosovo. And then I studied uh, for my master's in U.S. and did all my short um, student films. Yeah. Um, and made documentaries as well. And also worked in a lot of uh, films um, as a first AD, as a co-producer and, um, and production manager and so on. And I, for me, um, I mean, Kosovo doesn't, we can't say that we have a film industry per se, but the film center, which is public um, institution and it's public funding, um, they fund like three to four projects per year and it's very low budget. Um, but um, in the last 10 years, what they were doing was like really selecting projects, uh, good projects and giving a chance to people, to younger directors to like be able to direct on their first feature film. And uh, for me, I did, my short films did travel to festivals, but I had a thing with festivals, which I kind of regret and don't recommend, but I did not send my my two last films, I didn't send it to too many festivals because I would apply to big festivals, get rejected, and then didn't apply anymore. And um, in that sense, I think there's out there a lot of really great film festivals that you can send your film and, and be exposed. Um, and it's much easier if you're exposed in a short film than taking a risk to make a, a feature film and then uh, see if it's gonna work out or not. And um, but uh, for me, like because I worked a lot in the industry and people knew me, um, they loved the scripts. So I kind of wrote the script and didn't show it to anybody be until I finished at least the first draft. And then I approached my uh, producer with whom I worked in different positions, not uh, um, not directly as a director and producer, but we've known each other for a little bit. And, and I sent him the script and he loved the script. So we we got together and started raising funds for it. Um, but at least what we did on the first film, which really helped was like that we really had a good relationship. And then uh, because we loved the story, we did everything in our hands to really make it happen. And, uh, and we made it happen because with low budget from Kosovo, then you have to go to other countries, you get refused and then you apply yeah. the next day, the next year. And it's the same. It happened to us in Albania. We got refused. We got refused in Switzerland. And then the ne next year we applied again, um, wrote a new draft and, um, and we got the funding and we got the film made. And how do you find the resilience in yourself to keep bouncing back? Because if you're told no and then have to wait 12 months, that's such a long time, especially when you're so passionate about to tell this story. How do you find it to keep saying, OK, I'm going to do more. I'm going to get this over the line because it's not easy, is it, to keep bouncing back? No, it's not easy at all. And it's a lot of times when you pick a topic, you're like, am I do I have to have the right story or am I just really taken by it? And then how are people going to respond to it? And then you see, it, it really depends who's around you and what people are making. Because sometimes there were projects that they were taking really long to be made and then the film didn't go anywhere. And you're like, what if my film does the same? I'm putting so much effort on it. And then it's a question, will I want to make films anymore? Uh, but uh, for me, and it's okay, I think it's okay because I think everybody comes to that point when you're like doubting the subject, doubting if, it, if it's ever going to get financed. And it hurts whenever somebody says no, it hurts. But um, I'm in my, uh, that's why I'm saying it's really important that you really choose a topic that you really like 
and that you really believe in it. Although sometimes you lose that belief, but uh, it will come back if you really, really thought it through from the beginning when you started to work on it, that this is the right topic and that I'm really passionate about it because then you overcome these situations. There, there's moments when you really don't feel like uh, sitting and writing and, and things like that. But for me, it wasn't waiting for 12 months. I sat down and wrote a new draft and I sat every day and although at that time we didn't even have development money, so I wasn't even getting paid for it. I have two kids, so yeah. uh, and they don't ask. So it's like really difficult managing the time and finances when you have children as well. But um, I think you, if you sit down and, and write every day and try to push yourself to make your script better uh, and uh, while, while you're just like waiting for another chance to apply, then you make a better draft plus you keep yourself busy so you don't uh, you don't let those doubts really take your time and, and maybe take your energy um, of course it's sometimes difficult but then it's always good to really put yourself together sit down and write make your script better than it was and then apply again because we as I said we were rejected in both uh, fundings in in Albania and in Switzerland and these were really crucial fundings these these were like if uh, Switzerland didn't finance us we didn't have any post-production funding so really we would have been maybe hardly able to shoot and then and then not be able to edit the film so in that sense for us it was we we postponed the shooting um two or three weeks before we we were set to, to shoot the first time because Switzerland said no and then we had to push the shooting and and also the the funding in Kosovo had they had problems with like uh, transferring the funds and here you don't have these kind of uh, banks that you can make a, a deal with them um, or to to give you funds to shoot the film so in that sense uh, we really had to push the film right before shooting and that's really hard when you're like in preparations and pushing the film but um, I really used that time to rewrite the script and make it better. And with all that endurance and that hard work and setback after setback, but you finally got the green light, you had the funding, you're on set and it's actually happening. That feeling of relief to see all of those years of writing and studying and getting this story out there for other people. I don't even think you could probably describe with words, can you, the, the feeling of it actually really taking place. I, I mean, I love sets. That's why I work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm a set person. Um, that's why I worked a lot of, of as a first AD, because I would rather do that than, than work in the office yeah. uh, for something that I'm, uh, and I'm pretty good in administration as well, but it's just not the thing that I really like. Um, and uh, I find first ADing a really hard job, but I think it really helped me a lot uh, with my first feature film because because um, then it, directing it felt much easier and and I had my own doubts because I never directed a feature film so I was like I don't know um, how will I handle a feature film I shot a lot of shorts but shorts are like four five six days and this was 28 days so I was like will I be able to um to hold like um the crew together and like the continuity and everything and plus we're shooting low budget so I knew that there's gonna be issues about making things right and and things like that but I was really happy I mean for me the first day 
uh, of shooting is always the most stressful one. I just yeah. really, if I, if I can skip the first day of shooting, I would really be happy, but that happens to me with shorts and everything. It just, until I get the feeling of how's everything moving, I, I have a little bit of stress, but other than that, I loved shooting. I think I was lucky to have an amazing crew that it wasn't, uh, I mean, it wasn't the biggest crew, but um, it was really, uh, really nice. And, and the producers were really supportive and on set uh, almost every day. And really everybody, I guess also because everybody loved the, the story and everybody was really doing their best uh, on set. So for me, it was really magical as it's always to be on set because I really, really love being on set. I mean, it's only March right now. And for me, I've been lucky enough to see the film. I don't think for the rest of this year, I'm going to see a film that's so powerful. The story for me of the resilience, it was so gritty. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm having to remind myself what I'm seeing is real. It's based on a real story. Now, the amount of research you must have done into this must be huge because you wanted to make sure that it was a good representation of this story and getting the message out there and the performances and everything about it it's absolutely incredible yeah thank you well i did i mean i spent a lot of time with fahriye first of all and uh, but I tried not to go too often because it was also this response. I mean, it was a huge responsibility in general because she's still alive and she's going to see the film. And I really didn't want to hurt her one more time by uh, making a film that maybe she's not going to agree to. Um, but also each time I was visiting her, it really brought back a lot of memories for her. And um, I really tried to go a fewer times, but then stay longer hours yeah. with her to like really go deep into, into every question that I had. And also I spent time with other women as well, uh, because I really, I really like um, what Fatia did, but also the community they created, um, how they are, they were in this together and they built something together. And for me, that was really important to show because they are still together and it's still amazing to, to see them. And, and people also comment about uh, small comic moments in the film, the jokes that the ladies make. I was like, but yes, this is, I think this is how they dealt with everything. Even now when you meet them, they're like working together, supporting each other and and then they make all kinds of jokes and they like really created this uh, beautiful community that kept them going because as Faria said I needed to provide for my children but I also loved life so I was alive and wanted to live so for me it was a way of staying sane and providing for my children so that I can staying sane so I can be able to raise my children but at the same time it was a way for me to to somehow live my life and and the only way I could do that was through work and it really helped all of them to to stay together and really stay sane after all they've been through um so in that sense I really tried to like spend time with the women and sometimes just just go and visit them without even making questions to them just really to feel um to feel the energy and the chemistry they had between each other and when the film was done and then out there, did you, and I'm sure you didn't, but you could never anticipate just how successful and the feedback was. Everyone that does a debut film obviously wants to do well, but the reception this film got is mind-blowing. Everyone I've ever spoken to, all the reviews on the websites, 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5, film of the year, absolute masterpiece. It must be feeling like a dream to see the reception that this has had. 
Uh, well, yes, I was surprised, honestly, because I tried not to, um, as I said, like my last short films, I didn't send too many festivals. And then when I was working on Hive, I wanted to send the film in Sundance. And this is something I told the producer that you can do all this, uh, the, um, the festival strategies, but I really want this film to go to Sundance. And and they listened to me. I mean, they, we, we, we were prepping to apply for um, Sundance, but for me, I tried really to do my best on the process and not think a lot about what's, how is it going to do uh, in festivals or anywhere. But I was really, I, I must say, I was really skeptical of like how people are going to react to it. Um, are people going to understand? Is this story something that people uh, outside of Kosovo are going to connect to? Uh, and, and really, a lot of times when we make films from Kosovo, we really end up describing a lot because we know people don't have a lot of information. Then it's, it's the culture, the traditions, the war, the political, complicated political situation situation that we always lived in so we always sometimes we end up making very descriptive films and with this one I was like I really want to focus on what really impressed me and which was her her character the personality that sense of community and and hopefully um, be able to show her resilience the triumph and give some hope uh, and I hope that like people are going to connect to that because um, in a way um, all of us felt uh, small at some point in life, whether yeah. we, whether because we belong to a certain community, certain nationality, or I don't know, we were shorter than the others. Um, so people really go through through a lot in life, and in that sense, I really hope that people are going to identify and and connect to her and fight with her. Uh, but I didn't know. I was like, maybe they won't. Maybe it's going to feel like some very local story that nobody's going to relate to and maybe people are not even going to understand why is this happening and and what happened during the war or anything uh, but when it got a good reception starting from Sundance and then everywhere else and now it's coming to cinemas in UK which is amazing because not uh, not many films go to cinema get released in cinemas especially not from Kosovo um, it's really amazing and beautiful to see all these reactions because uh, because of the story it tells, because of us who worked on it, and because it gives a lot of hope to other filmmakers who want to make films. But uh, I always say the way my friends inspired me with making small films and then breaking out in festivals, I hope our film will also inspire other filmmakers to like make it. So in many senses, uh, uh, in many ways, it really was surprising, but also really, really satisfying that it happened and it really encouraged us to to uh, move on and continue making films. And my final question for you today, what I do on the podcast to make it quite unique is anyone that comes on, it can be an actor, director, they get to choose the final piece of music that is played on the episode. So once we've finished the interview and I've edited it, the outro piece of music can be chosen by you. So it can be a piece of music from any artist, any musician, any band, but it's something that you love. And I'm going to put you on the spot, but what would you love to be the outro piece of music today for our interview that you absolutely adore? Oh, uh, any song by Skunk Analysy. Oh, I love uh, Skunk Analysy. <laughs> I grew up listening to Skunk Analysy and I still listen to her. And we were not able to go to concerts back then because we were occupied and we also didn't have visas, could not travel. And 
and then um, and then the band separated after the war. So uh, even when I had a chance to go, they were not uh, holding concerts. So sometime in, if I'm not mistaken, in 2000, uh, uh, I don't remember the year, <laughs> but um, I went to, in Madrid and, and after they re reunited and it was really, really a blast for me. So I, I still love Skankanazi and any, um any song by her but weak as i am was i was gonna say weak I... is the one that i grew up <laughs> yeah. with and it's a masterpiece so i think that would be a great song yeah exactly our time is up but i wanted to say a massive thank you for taking the time to come on the show today i can't wait for people to see this in the uk to go and see it in the cinema is a dream and it's been one of my favorite films of the year and i really do wish the luck for you in the future and to see where your career goes Thank you so much for having me. Nice talking to you. And we are really excited that our film is being released in cinemas in UK. It's brilliant. I'm going to tell all my friends to go and see it. So it's going to be good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So there it is. There's my interview with me and the amazing Blurta Pasholi. As you heard us talk on today's interview so much in detail about her debut film, Hive, I urge you all, after today's interview, to go and check it out. It's an amazing film from start to finish. And don't just go to the cinema and see Batman and all these amazing, huge blockbuster films. These are the films you need to go and see. So as it's showing right now in the UK, take that time, spend that money, give these films the love and time they deserve. I want to say a massive thank you for Blurter for coming on the show. It was such an inspirational chat and I love talking to you. I think you've got an amazing career ahead of you and I can't wait to see what's next. If you've enjoyed today's interview and episode, all I ask you to do is share it on your Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It's a touch of a button and costs you absolutely nothing. This is the best marketing tool that I can use for Mark and me. It gets those episodes seen by your friends, your families or people on your networks that may not be already listening to Mark and me. It costs absolutely nothing and goes a long way. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, retweet it, share it on your Facebook or just tell one of your friends. It really does make a massive difference to Mark and me. And if you've really enjoyed today's episode, I do have a Patreon. Right now, this podcast is my only source of income, but I'm putting it all right back into the podcast and allowing myself to get it onto more platforms, travel the country to do more and more interviews, and hopefully get a lot more face-to-face -face interviews now that the world is starting to get back to normal again. I hope everyone's enjoyed today's episode, and I will be back in only a few days' time with a brand new episode. So until then, take care, look after yourself, and I'll speak to you all very soon. Bloody man.